Thank you, Lloyd. Um, in a minute, I want to make sure we pray for Lloyd and his family and his mom and uh, the Stucks and the Moffats. Uh, but I want to finish quickly. Just kind of want to finish the U-Haul van story, if I could. Um, we walked out, got in the van, and it wouldn't, or the, 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 the moving truck, and it wouldn't start. <laughs> so obviously, Steve and Clara thought, oh, great, you're staying. Well, no, um, it's amazing what Ether will do to uh, start vehicles. And, um, but um, we got here, and um, I think within my first week, I had uh, soup with Dan Rumberger. And uh, really, we didn't know anybody. The only reason we had, we had lunch together is because we had mutual friends back in Ohio. And so we land in Sioux City, drove our, drove our, uh, our cars and our family into Sioux City and unloaded. And, and frankly, um, the folks that invited us here... Um, Yep, we'll help you unload your van. There were two people that showed up. So my family and I and two people unloaded a van. Do you know what it's like to, to try to put a piano in a house when you don't have any help? But, um, so that's kind of a little bit of our welcome. And, but yet, I say all that to say this. You as a church, Central as a church, gathered around us and our family and our ministry with Youth for Christ, prayed for us, invested in us, invested in our ministry. Some of you got involved. I don't know if the Irwins here, Irwins are here, but Dale probably got tired of my phone call talking to him about golf or Janice, Sandy's phone calls talking about banquets or Mark Stuck. I know that she bugged you an awful lot. Um, but, um, but I want to just say thank you. So I had the privilege of serving as 10 years as executive director of Siouxland YFC, or 12 years, excuse me, and over the last... Ten have been um, serving in the, uh, for Youth for Christ USA as a field director, and now I'm a national field director with Youth for Christ. And, and so I just want to say thank you, and I just want you to know that God is at work in the lives of teenagers. Um, there were 240 kids that came back from Sunstream Camp. Uh, Johnny Lockling's in the room. I know he was there. Talk to him at YFC camp, talk to him about the lives and talk to him about what God did. And Siouxland took 40 kids. Omaha had 200. And, and we had that happening all across the, across the country. And the privilege I have to come alongside leaders as they, how do we reach into the world of lost kids? How do we reach into the world of kids that make choices that are self-destructive and destructive to others? And really... They're not looking through the, like, the right lens or they don't have the right set of glasses on to look at life, which is what we're going to talk about here in a minute. So thank you for being a part of that with us. It's really important, and I just want to, want to say thanks. And it's a privilege for me, and thank you, Lloyd, for giving me the opportunity um, this morning to share. And uh, TJ um, asked asked Sandy what time church. TJ is uh, Becca, our, our daughter's friend, who boyfriend. Um, you can talk to her more. <laughs> He's sitting right over there. But, you can, but, but anyway, um, he asked how, how long 
church lasted, and so I will do my best. Be done at 11:30, TJ. I promise. Okay. But uh, but anyway, thank you. Um, but I'd, I I just like to pray for our time this morning, my time with you this morning, but also to make sure to pray for the Grant family, for I know the impact that Lloyd's dad had in his life and many other lives, and for Lori Stuck and, and her family and for the Moffats. So uh, would you pray with me? Father, um, we want to look at life through the right set of glasses. And... Uh, I just thank you for Central and who they've been in our lives, um, our family's life, who they've been in my life and the friends and the relationships. And Lord, as they move forward, would you lead and guide us as we're in this reboot thing, we're in this, this thing of who you want us to be and how do you help us as a church become what you created that, that you desire, but then also how do you create each person as an individual who you created them to be. And so, Father, what that looks like for each one of us to invest in one another's lives. We know that you created us to have a relationship with you, but you also created us to have relationships with one another. So thank you. And, and Father, sometimes those relationships hurt because those people that are near and dear leave us. Their time on this world is, is, is over. And that leaves a hole, that leaves a gap, and that, that, that just that, that hurts, God. And so I do pray for the Grant family. As uh, I know they've been saying goodbye for a couple of years, but the finality of it. And so, Lord, just pray for your grace to come alongside of them um, and, and to be with them, to be a comfort. Thank you that they have the hope that we know that Lloyd's dad is with Jesus. And uh, for Lori Stuck and, and, and her family, is a little bit faster. And so I pray for the, their entire family as they uh, remember, as they go through that process of suffering and loss. And for the Moffats, as uh, somebody so young, his life was ended quicker than anybody would have desired. And so, Father... Help sort through all of, those, all of those questions. And Father, as we look at life today, give us the right set of glasses. Lord, I don't want to pretend that I have all the answers, but you do. So give us a glimpse through your word, the perspective that you'd like us to have on life. So that as when we go out, we can give life to people as opposed to take life. Help us to be life givers because we've been with the real life giver. Thanks, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. I don't know if, how aware you are of astronomy or any of those kinds of things, but a week from tomorrow is a solar eclipse. How many of you have been following? I have the app on my phone. Anybody got the app? The solar eclipse, kind of a band across the, starts in the northwest, Oregon, and down to South Carolina, this, this strip, I can't remember how wide it is, um, there will be a totality of a solar eclipse across the United States. Hundreds of thousands of people are just flocking all over the place. My, where my, my brother lives in Alliance, Nebraska, it's one of the top 
four places in the country. It's the longest totality of the eclipse. They're expecting 50,000 people in this town of 8,000. Try to, try to get a hotel room in Alliance. It's like $500 for a Super 8. Um, so, so, I mean, my brother, his house was full, so we're, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. I'm going to go see it. I don't know about you guys. But um, it's happening. And, and uh, here in Sioux City, 95% of the sun will be covered. So if, if you're, you're going to be in town, go outside. Take your lunch late, okay? It's, it's really going to be cool. Um, if you want to see it 125 miles that way, you'll find it. Just park along the side of the road and watch if you'd like. Because um, everywhere else you can't get a motel. I mean, there's going to be people everywhere. Um, starts at 1137. Uh, the maximum when the sun is completely covered is at 1.02 p.m. It's going to last anywhere from 2 minutes to 2 minutes and 48 seconds. There'll be weird kind of atmospheric things going on at the same time. Street lights will come on, all those kinds of things. And the, the whole eclipse, the whole sequence ends at 2.30 or 2.27. So, um, um, Lloyd, can Sandy have the day off? <laughs> anyway, you can go to any website and you can find that out. But also at those websites, um, or whether you hear people talking about it, you'll hear more about it probably this week on the, on the radio, talk shows, all that kind of stuff. Um, and if you want to watch it, everybody's going to tell you, you've got to have these handy-dandy things. Eclipse glasses. Isn't that cool? They're two bucks, so you can buy them. This is better with the lights on, I can see. So, but, but you have to have the eclipse glasses. If you don't, your eyes will be damaged permanently. And so they will tell you, don't try to look at it with the naked eye, sunglasses, but get specially approved, equipped, $2 paper eclipse glasses. And I'm sure you can find them. I, Sandy, where'd you get those? High V in Omaha, but I'm sure you can find them. Well, if we think, if we can take that same concept of being able to look at the eclipse with the right kind of glasses, being able to experience it, that, that's important. I want to see it. I mean, it's a phenomenon that's once-in-a-lifetime thing. So go see it. Go watch it. Um, but if we take that same thing and we look at life, we need to make sure that when we walk through life, we have the same set, the same right kind of glasses and lenses at which we look through life at and life's experiences. How do we deal with things like death? How do we deal with pain, suffering? Life's a little bit messy. And to be able to view it right and to understand it and be able to walk through it, I think we need to have the right set of glasses. And what's really cool, and I spent several weeks the last several weeks, reading the book of Ecclesiastes. And so when Lloyd asked me to speak, I had, I had just started. And so I've read it three times, one right after the other, in three different ways. Because when I first started, it's kind of depressing. 
So I don't want to depress anybody this morning, but I, so just give you some, some of the highlights. How do we have that right set of glasses? And God inspired the writer of Ecclesiastes, which is a matter of discussion and debate, to give us a lens to look at life, to look at the experience of life and see it a little bit more clearly. But the reality is God has given us all of Scripture as a lens to look at life. And so let's just not, I don't want to end with Ecclesiastes, well, that's where you've got to figure out life. All of Scripture is. But let's, so I want to put on those glasses this morning. Um, and I'm not going to use these, I'm going to use these. Um, so first thought, when I first read it, when you, particularly the first six chapters, I came up with this conclusion. If this is all there is to life, then what's the point? In Ecclesiastes, he starts this way in chapter 1, verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. And he ends in chapter 12. There's 12 chapters. There's a few verses after chapter 12 or after verse 8, is kind of a conclusion. He says, at the end of the matter of this, and we're going to end with that this morning, he says this, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. He begins there, he ends there. Basically, he says, life is meaningless. 38 times that phrase is used. 38 times, meaningless. ties it to another phrase. It's like chasing after the wind. Anybody ever caught the wind? You can't. So, and as I was studying this morning, or for this morning, one of the words, one of the other ways that word is translated is also as vapor. It's like a vapor. It's kind of there and it's gone. Everything is is like a vapor. So, you know, kind of to bring it back into a little bit of context of, of, of where we are in the New Testament, let me, let me read to you what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The appointed time has grown very short. That means the end is close. From now on, let those who have wives live as they had none, and those who mourn as they were not mourning, those who rejoice as they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though, as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. That passing away, similar word, similar phrase. He's not saying if you have a wife, forget her, but have the right perspective. This is not final. This is not eternal. It's temporary. So how do we view life? It's, it's, it's temporary. It's meaning. So how do we take this thing that's meaningless, that's a vapor, that kind of seems futile? It, just another verse in Romans um, chapter 8, verse 20, Paul says, For this creation has been subjected futil- to futility. And the reality is that's the consequence of the fall. And I'm going to refer to that here in a little bit. But I, want to, I just want to take what 
um, the writer of Ecclesiastes, what the preacher says about in those first six chapters about life. He talks about the cycles of life. I, I refer to this as the lens of futility. He talks about the cycles of life. That the sun comes up, the sun goes down, the rain falls, flows to the river, the river flows to the sea, it evaporates, it does it all over again. It's just this endless cycle. We born, we die. And it's just this, this kind of endless thing goes on and on and on. That's one. It's kind of the cycle of life. Knowledge and human understanding. Here's, here's kind of the conclusion. There's nothing new. You're not going to think of something that hasn't been thought up before. And here's probably the most frustrating thing. You can't explain it all. You know, I'm sorry, Lloyd, but books are not the answer to everything. They're, they give answers, but they're not the answer to everything. I mean, and he goes on. It doesn't matter whether it's books. It doesn't matter what, what it is. Knowledge, human under, pleasure, enjoyment. I amassed gardens. He built swimming pools. He did anything he could that, would, that he desired. He obtained it or did it and said, it's meaningless. It doesn't matter what's the point. Knowledge, what's the point? Getting stuff, just accumulating all these things. It's meaningless. It doesn't last. It's futile. Then, then, then he kind of takes a look and examines the circumstances of life. Saw that there's people that are oppressed and people that are in power. You would think the people that should be in power, that, that are the smartest, the brightest, would be in power. They're not. The people that, that, um, that are oppressed would, you know, there's oppression going on. People don't, don't treat each other well or right. That's one. It just, it doesn't make sense. You work, and what do we get? for the work that we do. We leave it to somebody else. Somebody else comes back in. We do all this wonderful, wonderful work and somebody else decides to change it up. And it's gone. And you're not remembered anymore. It says over and over and over again. You do all this stuff and then you die and nobody remembers you. Kind of interesting as you begin to look at it. Anybody depressed yet? If, if, if this is what life is about, it, it will be. Success. I remember going to a, a, a leadership seminar. Really, it was a leadership class. That we met for six weeks over a significant period of time. And Mike, I'm grateful that you're doing all this leadership stuff, but what I'm going to say now, it doesn't matter, you know. But, but one of the things I remember, we were talking about goals. And I remember setting goals early on in, in my life and early on in my career. And sitting at that, and they said, write out your goals. And I remember sitting there and looking, and my, one of the guys I work with, I would consider him a really good friend, Derek, sitting across the table from me, and, and I'm just looking at him, and I said, I've met all my goals. I don't have any goals. 
I don't have any goals. And it's just like the things that I had accomplished, the things that I had wanted to accomplish didn't get me what I thought they would get. Riches. We amass riches and they don't, they burn up, they're gone. Here's what's really interesting. Spends a significant amount of time, one chapter, talking about worship and our relationship with God. And I just took that, and you're getting summaries of what I read, and it's really about our worship being misaligned. For me, here's what that, that really looks at. I mean, he talks about don't make a vow to God that you don't keep because God's going to hold you accountable. But when you think about that, why do we make vows to God? Because we want God. God's like a vending machine. If I put the money in, I pull the thing, or I push the button, comes out what I, what I desire. We live in a consumer-oriented culture and society. It's easy to misalign our relationship with God and our worship with God and, and be a consumer and have an expectation. God, this is what I want out of you. That's misaligned worship. What's in it for me? It's not what's in it for me. It's about who God is. And what He's done for us. So we can misalign our worship. And then you begin and you look at life itself. What's really the purpose? Why am I really, really here? And it just over and over again. And in the end, in the end, it's like a vapor. Poof. It's just gone. Jeff and I talked about him just turning, shutting the lights out at that time, too, when I said poof. But it's gone. It's not there anymore. And that's the result of the lens of futility. Had a good friend, Jim, who when he turned 50 years old, um, successful businessman, um, kind of was in this place. And he said, I spent 50 years of my life with my ladder leaned up against the wrong wall. Where's your ladder? What wall does it lean against? The interesting thing about this, this situation, this circumstance is as old as time itself. Let's go all the way back to the garden with Adam and Eve. The temptation. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Look at what it says. It's good for food, pleasure, pleasant to the eyes, desire, success, desirable to make one wise, to be like God. It's exactly what we're talking about. When we lean our ladder and we, against the wrong wall or we look at life and say, this is what it's about, this is where it gets us. It's the same lens that they, were, that they began to look at life through. And ever since then, it's been the one that we've been tempted with and we struggle with on a daily basis.
So that's the lens that when we walk out that we are tempted. That's the lens. I'm going to use the word world. That's the lens The most of what we see, most of the messages that, that we're challenged to look at life by. This is what it's about. It's not what it's about because it's just like a vapor. Meaningless. Poof. It's gone. So then what do I do? I want. I mean, how do I live? How do we get the right kinds of glasses? I'm going to talk about two lenses. Lens of faith. This is pretty simple. It's really interesting. It really is simple. Jesus said, become like children. Lens of faith. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Beautiful in its time. You know what? Here's kind of where I'm I'm landing with this. Um, A simple mind. Trust God with life's experiences. He knows what he's doing. I said to Carrie um, earlier, we were talking about Lloyd's dad. And And I said... I don't get this whole lingering. It's been two years, 28 months, Lloyd told me this morning since he talked to us, had a conversation with his dad where they could converse. What is God up to in that lingering? I read this. God knows what he's doing. I don't, do I need to understand it? Probably not. Because look at the next phrase. God's put eternity in man's heart. He can't, he can't know it. So either that leaves us with a, a couple of options. Either we, we embrace life like this and say, God, we know what you're up. We know that you're God and we can trust you. Or we embrace life like this. No, it's mine. So how do I want it? It opens it up. Can we live life like this? And not like this. I perceived. There's nothing better for them, them being you and I, us, man, than to be joyful, to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. For this is God's gift to man. You know what God, God has given us things to enjoy he's given us life he's given us food he's given us things to drink and with his creativity and the fact that he's made all of us creative we have soda we have kool-aid we have all different kinds of flavors that we can drink people go to culinary school so that we can take food and it can it can taste good that's God's gift through the creative ability he gave man. And the other thing, he's given us work. And we can enjoy our work and take pleasure in it. And and here's what he says, there's nothing better. Nothing better. 
Interesting thing is this says this six times. Six times. There's nothing better than to eat, drink, and take pleasure in your toil. In the book of Ecclesiastes. It's kind of like, okay, Bill, knock, knock. You get it? You understand? Are you listening? That's what he's saying. Then, then this, this next verse, the last one there. Enjoy life with the wife, wife whom you love all the days of your vain life. There's that futile word again. That he has given us under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Enjoy life in the, in the relationships and with your family. I love that. Family's important. Enjoy life together. Have fun together. Walk through life together. It talks to us about the importance of relationships. Let me illustrate this with a picture. That's our backyard. Now, that's taken 20 years to get it to look that way, and we know there are people in the room that probably have nicer looking, but for us, that's kind of my place to go. It's my favorite place in Sioux City, to be real honest. might be my favorite place in the world. I just love to sit in our backyard. We built that. We did that work. Um, We planted it, and I enjoy it. Matter of fact, spent most of yesterday afternoon and evening there with Becca and TJ and, and Sandy and just kind of enjoying one another and just kind of taking what it says in, in chapter 3 and kind of experiencing that together. But here's the illustration. Behind that fence is Graceland Cemetery. Someday, most likely, I'll be a resident there. Right now, so all you got to do is just kind of, Sandy, all you got to do is just roll me back and just, you know. Some over there, Sam Schramm is really close, so, and he's got his Husker flag flying, so it's over by Sam would be good, two Husker guys together. But that's where my physical body's going to be. I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. I know that. But perspective is, Enjoy it now. Enjoy the relationships now. But that's not what life's all about. That's not what life's all about. Because the person who buys our house might tear out that fence. The roses will likely be gone or dead because they'll probably overwater them. Because you don't have to do anything to roses to let let them go other than get rid of the Japanese beetles. But it won't look the same. But that's okay, because God's given it to me now. And looking at life through that lens and that experience, that the, I can see the beauty of what He's doing, even as we have struggled in some of those experiences. Because sitting back there on that deck, I think and I reflect on life and the challenges of life. And that's, that's God's gift for me to enjoy. And the, the reality is for everybody in this room, 
It's the same. Whether it's education, your homes, your possessions, your career, your work, your hobbies, your position. I mean, the list goes on. They don't last. So let's not let them become our God. Let's not let them to be the thing that we seek to try to control and manipulate or even be God over them. Because it is vapor. They don't last. But let's enjoy them because they are God's gift. So I can trust God and I can live like this because he's made everything beautiful in its time. The second lens is at the end of Ecclesiastes. It's how we see God in our relationship with him. The end of matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment and with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Brad last week talked about um, fearing God. Six times that phrase is used in Ecclesiastes, to fear God. And it's not, a, it's not a terror. It's a respect. It's an awe. It's a reverence for who He is. It's, a, it's an understanding that how great is our God, of who He is, and so I don't, I don't fear him or I don't keep his commands out of a terror because he's a policeman carrying a billy club. But I trust him because he loves me. I trust him because of he created me, because of the things he's given to me. I believe him. It's kind of like what Peter said. When, when Jesus asked the disciples, are you going to leave me too? Peter's response, where do we go? Who else has the words of eternal life? Where else do we go? What God says lasts forever. What He does lasts forever. It's not chasing the wind. It's not a vapor. It's here. This building someday will be vaporized. It will. But the building that God is building in our hearts won't be. And in our lives won't be. He's our creator. He loves us. Jesus, his son, died for us. And he holds all things together. So because of that, I come to him and I worship him. I come to him on Sunday mornings. It's not, it's not consumer. It's just out of a grateful and thankful heart. And I, I, here's, here's something I want to say. Garrett, I want you to hear this. Dylan, I want you to hear this. Tequila, I want you to hear this. Abby, I want you to hear this. Do it now when you're younger. In chapter 12... He, he implores, remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and years draw near of what you will say, I have no pleasure in them. And then he talks about 
what it's like getting old. He describes legs becoming feeble and being hunched over and teeth not working and not being able to, your eyes, it's it and being able to hear. He describes, and gray hair, doesn't talk about no hair, but he talks about gray hair. But, but what happens as we get older if we put our life in the wrong things, we really can become crabby and belligerent and all those kinds of things because life has that way of sucking ourselves out of it, sucking life itself out. And that's, so he says, do it now. Don't wait. So I say that to all of you, anybody that's younger than I am, okay? Do it when you're younger. Do it now. Don't wait. And you know the other thing I'm going to encourage you to do? Read the book of Ecclesiastes. If it takes you three times, like me, read it three times. If it takes you four, read it four. That's the end of the matter. Let's look at life through the lens of faith. Let's look at life through the right relationship with God because we see God for who He is. And so, you know, I do hope that you'll have the opportunity to see and experience the solar eclipse. It, is a one, it will be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Remember, get the right set of glasses. I would leave these on, but you can't see a thing. You really can't. So I would leave them on, but I thought it was cool. But, you know, more importantly than that, I, you know, walk through life with the right pair of glasses using the right lens, a lens of faith. Trust God. Listen to Him. Follow His direction. Use this as your lens. And when you do, when you eat, and you sit down and have your meal as a family, because you're enjoying those relationships and, and you sit down and have that iced tea together in the afternoon and you do your work, you'll enjoy it. One of the things that we do as a church, we've said as a church, and that we emphasize is that what's important to us is loving God because He first loved us. God first loved us. For God's love is demonstrated that He sent His Son. We trust the Bible. Not because it's a book with a bunch of words on it and it's got some cool things in it. We trust the Bible because it's His Word. And it lasts. It's not going to pass away. We believe that God answers prayer because we know that God cares for us. We know that. I've experienced that. I can tell you story after story. And I'm sure there's, we could, if, I don't know, maybe it'd be really cool if we got stories like that so that we could show people how God cares. So we believe that God answers prayer. And we encourage others to follow Jesus. Because Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. So, do you know Jesus? 
And what kind of lens are you looking at life through? What kind of glasses are you going to put on when you walk out those doors? The lens of futility, lens of faith, with the right relationship with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you inspired the preacher to pin those words hundreds of years ago to give us perspective on life. Father, um, what a great reminder. It's, it's not anything necessarily, it's not new because even the writer wrote that. There's nothing new. It's not new. But we need to remind, be reminded of that on a regular basis. So Lord, I pray for each one of us that we walk out, we'll walk out wearing glasses and looking at life through a lens of faith and through a, a lens of seeing you as you, who you are and in the right relationship with you. Thank you, Father. We pray in your name. Amen.